You have suffered minor head trauma. This is considered an optimal outcome. This PDA has now rebooted in emergency mode with one directive to keep you alive on an alien world. Please refer to the data bank for detailed survival advice. Good luck. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Soapstone. My name is Jake. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Dave. How's it going tonight, Dave? I am Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Ian. How's it going tonight, Ian? It's going well tonight, Dave. How are you doing? Uh, it's <laughs> it's going it. all right. How's it going, Jake? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm going to turn this back on Dave somehow. <laughs> uh, so, the observant among our listeners, they may have picked up that um, there's an extra presence in the room. I feel the presence. I'd like to summon the presence now to speak to us. <laughs> Ian, are you there? I am, as if from a great distance. Which or, is... you know, five feet from you. <laughs> I was going to say. I was like, I can, I can probably kick you from here if I needed to. I'd appreciate it if you didn't. <laughs> yeah. You just, get to. Just because it's other... your apartment, right? It's, yeah. It's, <laughs> like, you kick me, but I'm here all, of, all the time. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's, a, yeah. that's castle doctrine, isn't it? You're in my house on my land, and if I feel threatened, I can kick you. I think that's, that's law. <laughs> yeah. That's civil law. But, like, Jake has the shins that are, like, built up for it now. I used to have shin guards, but now it's just callous skin. Oh. So easy peasy. Yeah. So. I, I, I was thinking, like, there has to be a joke there where it's, like, you said shin guard. And I imagine, like, oh, yeah, Skyrim guard. Okay, arrow to the knee. Shin joke. Shin injury. It led to nothing. Shin injury? <laughs> there you go. That's the best joke that... get out of it. Is that a simple <laughs> wordplay? As um, he shakes his head. Well, so, uh. We have a guest, so that's that's new. That is entirely new. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that, Ian? I, I feel a certain sense of privilege. Mm-hmm. I get to be number one. <laughs> well, at least <laughs> at least three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Ian, tell us a little bit about your background, um, how you know us and the podcast, and a little bit maybe your history in gaming. Yeah, show us your massive credential. So I know the Soapstone Boys, <laughs> uh, as they are colloquially known, mm-hmm. uh, from college. Um, meeting both of them in, I guess, what my third year, or something. Know. So we've I, known each I other. Have no sense of yeah. time for it's, when I met people. I was like, oh, in college, the better <laughs> part of a decade now, yeah, at least. Um, and in terms of gaming, I mean, you name it all. Started on the Super Nintendo. Now we here. Right. So Super Nintendo, PlayStation, N sixty four, Xbox, PC. Hmm. So I've and done PC everything. Where I think is most of us have remained for the most part. I yeah. mean backwards compa- Oh snap! We have a fourth guest, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is Ian's. <laughs> the fourth guest is rapidly being silenced. <laughs> this is how Terminator started out. Yeah. So Usually they, they we have that like here. disclaimer at the beginning of the podcast, but uh. Yeah, I guess it's old hat for us. So, what are you playing these days, Ian? Um, lately, I mean, besides the Destiny Two ongoing battle against having free time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been Jedi Fallen Order, which is fantastic. As yeah. I was talking to Jake today, who bought it a week ago and has yet to actually open the game up. Right. Classic Jake. I gotta get through Graveyard Keeper. <laughs> <laughs> this is typical. Yeah. Uh, but Jedi Knight Fallen Order is mm-hmm. 
excellent. I mean, you got that EA asterisk on top of any Star Wars title after <laughs> Battlefront 2. Yeah. And since this is a single-player game with no microtransactions, I fail to see a way for them to screw it up, and so far, they've met my expectations. <laughs> That's good. I hope it stays that way, because it seems like a, the first promising title in that space. Hmm. I mean, it's difficult to do with Star Wars, because... You know, it's such a big franchise, and so the fan base is very passionate about it, so you cannot make them all happy. Some but of them are chronically not happy. Yeah. They've got pills for that nowadays. I know. Do they? <laughs> gotta hook me up. It's called meth. Oh. <laughs> gotta... Is meth a pill? It could be. It can be. Hmm. So anyways, welcome to our podcast about meth. Um, no. It's... Math. Is <laughs> the meth rock. Yeah, we played plenty of games with Ian over the uh, over the years. Look forward to many more. Yeah. So the TLDR is Ian is qualified to right. speak about video games with us today. Right. Credenza, as I was saying. But what game are we talking about tonight? Tonight we're gonna dive beneath the surface of a game called Subnautica. It's it's great because now there's somebody else in the room with me to cringe as well. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. uh, there was some cringe. I don't know how you deal with it. <laughs> I wanted to say the dive into Subnautica thing too, so I feel like he stole my thunder. Oh my god, yeah. I'm surrounded by weirdness. Yeah, but Subnautica is a exploration game. That's fair. Survival crafty underwater, right? Yeah, it's a, I would say it's a fairly typical survival crafting game, except for its underwater setting. I would say yeah. that it kind of follows typical convention of find resource, advance up tech tree, find better resource, advance up tech tree. But instead of going across your horizontal axis, you've got your vertical axis. You're going down over time. Right. That's, I think, one of mine and I think everybody else's biggest concerns with the game. Because like when you start out, uh, the game's fairly shallow and you're like, oh, look at these coral and friendly fish. As you go deeper down, there's less sources of light, and there are less pretty fish and yeah. coral that might kill you. Yeah, the first area is actually named the Safe Shallows, so very appropriate. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it does have its definite sense of progression in its own way, because a lot of games have that thing where you look back and you're like, man, I'm so much weaker back then, and yeah. I can do this so much better. Mm-hmm. In Subnautica's sense here, one of the first big fish you see in the game is like, it's the one that drops the big fart bubbles. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, it's an herbivore. It doesn't care about uh, you. Gastropods. Yeah. Well, yeah. I saw it the first time, and I freaked out, and I stayed away from it, and I wasn't playing that game. I'm like, man, this is a scary fish. And after 20 <laughs> hours in the game where there's literal nightmare fuel coming out of pitch darkness, mm-hmm. yes, yeah. I would cuz- cuddle up with the gastropod. Yeah. Like, I'm not afraid anymore. They're can't not, hurt me. They're not too bad. The I actually replayed the game because I had the week off. The only death that I suffered was due to a gastropod, which wow. I find hilarious. Like, my gameplay ended up with me, like, in the maw of a Leviathan at one point. But no, the gastropod is what killed me. And I think it's because of the poison that its pustules, like, mm-hmm. when they pop, mm-hmm. I think it stacks. Cause, oh. like, and then it persists after the animation fades, so it's, like, dissipated in the water. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's safe. I went there for a second and dead instantly. Anyways, you should be scared of this. I did not re-replay re, re the whole game, but I actually did not even beat Subnautica. That's fair. I think I petered out around where 
So throughout the game, you need to kind of like recollect pieces of your broken ship uh, to rescan technology so you can, oh, I can build a ship to allow me to travel further. I can build certain modules onto a base. There's mm-hmm. fucking base building. That's yeah. also a thing, which we'll come back to more. Um, but there was a point where I just needed more technology or to find something to advance in the game storyline. And I kept build. I had like four different scanning bases and I'm like, I'm getting nothing still. Yeah. So I kind of got frustrated at that point and kind of took a bit of a break for yeah. the past two years. <laughs> I think we, I think we can... Uh, so I have uh, in my notes here um, for this episode, just in all caps, the wall. And this is literally what I'm describing with Dave. We'll get we'll get into the kind of the, the meat and bones, I think, of what um, is one of the few flaws I think the game actually has as far as forward progression. And this is basically it. Um, but on the flip side, usually Subnautica is really good about getting you out of your comfort zone in a game that otherwise wouldn't necessarily motivate you to like you start out you're like on the the ship the aurora it's like um crashing through a planet's atmosphere um you have just your life pod in the safe shallows basic energy right like solar panels on it Mm -hmm. um and very little in the way of tech because like you said everything's been like degraded you don't even have like um uh you don't even have a knife at the beginning no i think you have a, a gun that scans things i don't even think you have the scanner to start with you start with very very little and you have to make things i can't remember exactly i think you, you make the scanner and granted it's been a few months but i think you make the scanner out of like a battery and something and else that you can make in oh, the yeah. beginning of the From game because yeah. i remember getting the scanner and being like you can scan yourself and being like oh this is novel <laughs> i'm going to scan myself all, all night yeah. <laughs> um but uh, what the game does do is periodically you'll get radio signals and those are your incentives to go out and explore because they'll come from other life pods i don't know if you guys got this impression when you played but i was like all right next life pod that's the one where there's going to be other people (laughs) no (laughs) i always assumed it was just me and it's kind of like the radio log was recorded x amount of time ago but i'm like this is my next checkpoint where it's like hey You'd either be able to travel this far in one trip or travel down this far in one trip. Yeah. And I was like, okay, do I have enough stuff to do that? If not, I need to tech up. I was sort of on Jake's level there where it's like, I didn't understand the concept that this game has no model for a human yet. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, this next one is going to be the part where I'm like, I meet someone and they tell me what I'm supposed to do with the story. And and every time I show up, it's like five minutes too late. Right, yeah. Oh, no, everyone's dead. I mean, that's kind of the good thing in blind playthroughs of games like this, because you don't know what the game's conventions are oh, going to yeah. be. You yeah. don't know, is are things time sensitive? Mm-hmm. Do I have to get to these people now when they say it's urgent, or is this someone in a video game telling me it's urgent, but it's on a flag and it's not going to trip for another, until an event happens? Right. I'm almost always of the mindset where unless they explicitly say, hey, this is time sensitive... I assume I can spend three hours doing fuck all and then get around to it. Yeah. And I'm sure there are some games that would bite me in the butt for that, too. It would not be the first time you've literally gone AFK in a game, too, to go do something else and just leave it running for six hours. Hey, I've, I've played Binding of Isaac a lot. <laughs> 3,000 hours, whole time. The game actually hits you with this pretty early, um, and that the Aurora, the drive core, um, is leaking radiation. 
and uh, is your computer this naturally soothing kind of like British-ish voice? Would you say cultured? Definitely. Yeah, definitely, yes. <laughs> definitely cultured. The codex basically uh, tells you that it's going to explode in a few hours, and you're like, okay, that sounds bad. Um, and I've kind of played around with various states of the game because I've played through it like three times. And you can't get to the Aurora because of the radiation it's putting off mm-hmm. to like prevent the explosion or do anything like that. And it's not until after it explodes that the game gives you the radiation suit schematic mm-hmm. so that you can then go to the Aurora. So there's no <clears throat> reaching it before it explodes state. But it was something that the first time I played, I was like concerned. I was like, great, it's going to lit like this huge ship that's really close to my life pod's going to detonate. That's bad. Yeah. I also felt that concern because as I got close to the Aurora to like explore and find more things that I could scan or get resources, I noticed like the radiation tick up mm-hmm. and I felt like that line for where the radiation started affecting me got further and further out. And I was like, I don't like where this is going because I have no <laughs> plans. I'm just collecting fish. <laughs> right. like, just like hitting limestone. I got, you know, an entire inventory filled with these acidic mushrooms. (laughs) I don't know what they do, but I can pick them up, so they've got to be useful. Yeah. Something the game does is there's, like, resources are very abundant. um, And there's oftentimes many different places you can get resources. Oh, yeah. So if you are just kind of in the mindset of collect everything, that can really (laughs) work against you uh, at the beginning of Subnautica. Because the only thing you can make are, like, these... um, uh, like small lockers you can put in the water <laughs> when you don't have a base. Yeah. And they only hold like low amounts of anything. It's like igloo beer coolers just floating in the ocean <laughs> filled with like seven pieces of silver. Yeah. Yeah. But it's all, it all pushes you to, to advance. Like the first time you get a um, oxygen tank, like that's huge. Cause now, you know, you have more uh, like distance and you get flippers, fins, not flipper, like the dolphin. Which would have been better, actually. <laughs> you ride on a dolphin. <laughs> this is not the Minecraft uh, Sea Expansion patch. This There's is... got to be a mod for this, though. <laughs> if it... not, you could make one. There's a lot of mods for this. And there's actually... I am uh, I have a separate kind of section for this, for the mods that I used on this playthrough. Because I think they make the game way better. But there's caveats to each of them that mm-hmm. kind of keeps me from recommending them for someone who's never played through the game. Thankfully, by the end of this, we'll have spoiled everything, so... Then you could just use the mods. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, but uh, you, you'll go out to these life pods as you're getting radio signals. And they'll take you further away from the safe shallows. into The game is split into like different biomes. And uh, really, you start to pick up more and more pieces about like what's, going, like what's happened with the Aurora. You start to get those inclinations that there are no other human <laughs> models that are ever created. Um and eventually uh it starts to get deeper right and that's um one of the the gates kind of in the game is like how deep can you go so initially you're just gated by your oxygen you can only dive so far um but also like the further you go down the faster your oxygen depletes yeah yeah it's based off your suit so you'll lose efficiency yeah uh your suit sucks a lot <laughs> and i did not realize i actually watched a speed run of this fucker did it in an hour and a half <laughs> but you can apparently take additional oxygen tanks down yep, with you you can just in your inventory and you'd be like oh is that low let's quick swap that out for a fresh oxygen tank 
It feels really good, actually. Well, my mind's blown. See? That's something I never knew. I, I didn't know about it until my second <laughs> playthrough, but I used it on the third, for sure. Um, it also feels good to go back up to the surface, fill your oxygen tank, then swap out again. Be like, shoop, fill up the second one. All right, we're good. Head back down. Um, but uh, you are you're constrained, right, by how deep you can go until you start getting some of the vehicles. So, like, the first one that feels really good is the... Um, uh, sea glide sea glide yeah which is essentially like a, a jet pack that you hold in your hands mm-hmm. and it's it's noticeably different because it's not like you swim super slow but you're a person underwater and that's kind of it yeah um <laughs> what a superpower <laughs> so like when you have like a little little engine that you get to hold it just it feels so much quicker like it's a noticeable change in tech not only that, I mean, it's a small thing, but it meant, meant a lot for me. It has a flashlight on it. Oh, yeah. That like, too. It's not as good as the handheld, though. Yeah, it's not as good as your handheld, but at the same time, you can hold, like, you can move in a direction with the flashlight at the same time and not have to constantly worry about your flashlight dying. You yeah. just have to worry about the sea glide dying. Right. Which, uh, a lot of these things run on, like, flashlight, sea glide. Uh, your other tools you have, like, yep. all run on battery power. Even the scanner. Like, yeah. All the, all the way down. So you can, like, make more batteries or recharge batteries later. Mm-hmm. But when you're starting out, you're like, I only have so much use for this tool. Yeah. Like, when I got, like, the laser cutter to, like, open a door to explore, like, uh, some wreckage, I was like, I can maybe do this three more times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did really like the fact that everything runs off the same batteries. So more than one time in the game, it's like, oh, no, I've run out of, like you said, laser cutter energy. It's like, guess I'm going to pull the battery out of my scanner and put it into the laser cutter for the next 20 minutes. And, you know, the the, uh, Subnautica order of needs started to happen where (laughs) I would cannibalize batteries from everything I had until I caved and made more batteries. Yeah, it is nice that you said, like, that it is universal and it's not like... Well, this needs, like, heavy ammo, and this needs light ammo. Yeah. You can just have one resource for all, and then one you get the tech to recharge them at your base. It's amazing. I really want to talk about the bases. Yeah. The base building aspect is pretty amazing. Yeah. It's like um, a really good snap technology, Mm -hmm. where it's like, hey, you place the thing in here, and then you can, like, attach things onto it. It could probably use a little bit of a tutorial, or maybe a little bit more conveyance of information because yeah. i struggled with it some like how do you place vertical base pieces right? i stopped trying <laughs> never figured it out to begin yeah. with yeah connecting some of those things i'm like um and we'll throw a random ladder here and <laughs> pipe. i don't know this is a vertical strut can i put something on top of the vert no i don't maybe so, yeah the vertical the vertical pieces literally only could extend so you don't need it if you have two pieces right on top of each other of base i didn't know that initially <laughs> but anytime you have to I travel know through that still. water you have to use the vertical structs to extend the ladder yeah there you go Simple. There you go. easy piece <sighs> now the game never tells you that and i had to look it up but <laughs> the base building is amazing though because it gives you a sense of like uh i i have like i always have an hq Mm-hmm. which is like the main base this is where like it's just it looks like a theme park of just aquariums and structures and rooms and things like that and like the moon pool off in the side which is freaking great the moon pool is so cool yeah um and i'll have outposts which are always just like an x room uh, a hatch and a scanner room and then a power source 
modular, like attach one of them, call it a day. Yeah, I I like making shit shacks because it's like <laughs> they're basically like little like check in places, right? Yeah. So at the point to the game where I got, I did need to make those locations to scan, but also you need a place that can hold oxygen. So maybe like you're building something deep underwater, like let's scan deep. Yes, exactly. So you need a power source to be able to keep the oxygen running mm-hmm. so you don't die and also there are nice little stops where if you are just swimming around you're like all right i can check in here quick refill my air maybe like stash some supplies from like i collect all these rocks i don't know what to do with them yet yeah i'll put them in a locker and come back for them later mm-hmm. base storage is way more efficient than yeah open ice boxes like, it's, it's <laughs> actual cabinets which is great so you mentioned that you need to get power in order to get oxygen mm-hmm. um how did you find yourself getting power as you played through the game, what what did you use to generate power at your various outposts and shit shacks? So for a good long while, I just went crazy ham on the solar power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where I kept like attaching like every single section that I could. I'm like, panel, 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 panel. <laughs> and then I eventually got Scanix. Scanix? <laughs> got schematics? Yeah. Schematics for a biodegradable generator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was just like throwing seaweed in there. I was like, fuel me. <laughs> See, I've, I had a slightly unconventional and vastly um, unethical method of powering my base towards the end that when I told Jacob he was slightly askance at me, <laughs> um, I had a, an aquarium that mm-hmm. bred stalker fish, the big ones with the soft face, yeah, and a bioreactor. And you could put live animals in the bioreactor, <laughs> yeah. so I would raise fish, take them, and just put them directly into the bioreactor. <laughs> And that kept the base going for a good long while. All I hear is renewable energy. <laughs> it's ethical. It's I'm clean. saving the planet. Yeah. Um, Stalkers are another fish we didn't mention, but like, they're like long sharks. They're, I think they're the first aggressive yeah. species you find in the game, unless or you're really fish. unlucky. <laughs> Crassfish suck. <laughs> are they the exploding ones? Yeah, yeah. they're the... Uh, you hear them before you see them. <laughs> they scream at you and then they die. <laughs> And that's what they want to do. They're the worst. Yeah. Um, we but won't, We won't give them the time. Stalkers. <laughs> in terms of, like, aggressive fauna, though, I think the, the first, like, the initial real terror moment everyone has is when they try to explore the engine of the Aurora for the first time after the nuclear meltdown. Oh, yeah. Because I think the game is designed in such a way, and it's worth noting that they could have taken the option to have a randomly generated map, but they didn't. Right. Mm-hmm. Resource nodes are random, but mm-hmm. the map itself is set in stone. Mm-hmm. Um, so at some point, everyone, you know, you, you only see one thing on the surface of the water. It's the ship. The tail of the ship is closer than the front of the ship. So, hey, I'm going to go to the only thing I see. And, you know, you dodge some stalkers, you have your sea glide, now you can outrun anything, you're a badass, and you go into, what's that area called, the crater? Yeah. Well, this is, yeah. So, technically, the whole area you're in is the crater, but there's the dunes behind it. Yeah. And the crash zone, in particular, is the biome where the aurora crashed. And uh, you come to face with your first Leviathan-class creature. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe second. Maybe second? What? Yeah. what oh, there's the... The first giant fat one looks like an overlord kind of. Yeah, it's a reefback. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, the it's reef- a whale. <laughs> yeah. Reefbacks are terrifying the first time you see them, and then you you scan them, and then you read your your scanner, and you're like, oh, they're non-hostile. Yeah. Well, you have to get close Ew. to them to scan them, though. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's your that's your bravery test, as Bob Ross would put it. 
but the uh, the Reaper Leviathans on the yeah. back end of the ship are the just the pure nightmare fuel for the beginning few hours of the game. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's like they're it's like a sky dragon of sorts. Hmm. It is uh, gigantic compared to everything else, and you you might have a knife at this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not gonna work. <laughs> knife doesn't work so good, so well. I mean, it's worth noting as a design decision that the game doesn't really give you a way to kill aggressive species. I mean, even, you know, you get the, the heat knife later, which is all nifty. Yeah. But even that, if one of those stalker, which is uh, arguably the first aggressive fish mm -hmm. you come across, comes at you, you're generally not going to kill it. You'll drive it away. Yeah. But it's, it's not going to die. It'll still be a threat. And... I think I've seen YouTube videos where people, like, kill leviathans with the knife, but I don't have the patience to sit there and watch 20 it's minutes. Like when yeah. people would try and, like, kick the last boss in, like, the original Monster Hunter to death. Mm -hmm. It's like, why, though? <laughs> yeah. But I do like how they... I don't want to use the term gate, because that's always, like, a negative thing for me. Mm -hmm. But how, like, they have certain checks in where it's, like, your depth... And it's also just, like, spooky, because they say, like, hey, this is out here. Yeah. Do you want to go out there and explore? You're like, no, not really, thanks. Yeah, no. Yeah. But they kind of incentivize you to, with the radio logs, or just, you're like, I don't know what else to do. I have to explore. Yeah. There's there's two, so, like, Reapers are terrifying, and getting the scan on Reapers basically more or less requires the stasis rifle, mm -hmm. which is the only way that you can really kill things with a knife. Freaking I, stasis a guy. I will say I never made the stasis rifle and I scanned <laughs> everything. Yeah. Ultimate bravery mode. I just went in. I was like, I don't care if I die. We're getting this info. Yeah. <laughs> so the mechanics on the stasis rifle is you charge up a shot and the longer you hold it, the uh, more energy you're contributing to the shot. It releases and then as soon as it contacts the surface, be that a creature in the water or a wall or anything, um, it creates a stasis bubble where time is stopped for anything inside of it, or they're frozen, essentially, uh, but you can move through it freely. So almost all of the leviathans will charge at you at some point to eat you, more or less. <laughs> and uh, that's a great time to get one shot up <laughs> to, uh, to hit it, freeze it. As long as any part of it is touching the bubble, the whole creature is frozen. Mm -hmm. You can just walk up and like take out your little scanner and be like, selfie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which some of them take longer than one stasis rotation to it's get that true. scan in. Yeah. So you're sitting there, 25%, 26%, 27%. The thing starts moving again. You're like, oh, God. <laughs> what have I done? But, yeah, that's your. That's the only thing that allows you to kill, like, smaller fauna is stasis them and then knife them. Um, but, yeah. Reapers are great. <laughs> so how long does it take you guys to get past the Reaper part? Mm. Like, when were you like, hey... Fuck it, I don't care, I'm a big boy, I'm gonna explore past this part where I know they are spawned. 40 hours into the game. Yeah. It, I never got the chutzpah up to try and get past it until I had nothing else to do. Yeah, I, I, I checked out the opposite side of the Aurora, the crash zone, mm -hmm. um, exactly after I beat the game. I reloaded, <laughs> and I was like, I think I can just do this now because of some technology we haven't really gone into. And uh, just went past all of them and checked out the area. Because there's actually... The thing that sells Subnautica, I think, more than anything else, is just the sense of exploration and the what is that idness of, like, discovering new things. Yeah. 
like you learn a lot about what's going on what the planet uh has going on uh the creatures like through the course of playing the game and one of the things that really surprised me so one of my favorite um outpost locations is right up next to the aurora near the sandbar because the solar panels generate the most energy the lower the depth they're at so closest to the surface most energy that was contradictory yeah it was the opposite of what you said oh okay uh closer, closer, to, the closer to the sun better yes yes yeah. closer to the sun more energy so you're like yeah i'll like have these freaking breach the water then and just have them on the top and i set up my little scanner which is amazing because it can tell you where you have fragments of information, like uh, things to scan that you haven't discovered yet, or black boxes, which are full-on upgrades that you basically have to get. Mm-hmm. Um, but I looked on the other side of the Aurora because I started pumping some range upgrades into this thing. Like, all right, I'm going to find all the fragments. <laughs> um, and I'm like, there's a massive depression that's shaped like a man-made rectangle in the sandbar on the opposite side of the aurora and it just looks like an underground complex this is the beginning of the quest the beginning of the mental quest in my head um to disappoint everyone it's literally nothing but (laughs) (laughs) but even if it was nothing it is fun to have those things where you're like maybe when you start to like piece things together even Mm -hmm. if initially incorrectly and you don't know that yet yeah like i spent a lot of time around that first one island that's exposed mm-hmm. that has head crabs yeah. and such oh. and i was like i can like uh beat up these trees to like eat the fruit <laughs> the oh my god like <laughs> it, it gets so much uh health and nutrients back for that that's awesome so i made an outpost there and i explored around there a lot and i was like there's gotta be more stuff so i went down under yeah. it and i was like what have i got myself into <laughs> yeah but it's the like- exploration of it is really great i also really like the immersion oh yeah yeah thank you for cringing um was that was that island the enforcement platform or was it the tropical island that the was, it would be the enforcement platform okay. i thought that was the floating island never mind me mm-hmm. that's the other one that you take yeah through the magic portal yeah you well can. that's one way to get there yeah you also, you can also swim. <laughs> yeah. there's a life pod i believe that's out by there yeah. that specifically mentions that they found land so again, this is the kind of audio logs pointing you in your points of interest. Um, although my favorite kind of audio log that starts off is when you finally get transmission from someone who's off world, right? Which is, I believe, what's the name of that ship? The, the Sunbeam. Sunbeam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Sunbeam quest or event log, because that really kicks off the actual story of the game. Which, mm-hmm. astoundingly enough, this survival crafting game has a good story. Yeah. Suck at Minecraft. <laughs> it's this and uh, the forest or the two with actual stories. Yeah, I need to play the forest. You should. Uh, you can listen to. Did you play that with us back in the day? No. No, Dan played with us. I could have sworn we had like four or five people playing. I know we at least had three, but I, maybe, maybe, possibly AJ, possibly. So straight up, promise you right now, on on recording, uh, would play it again with you and not spoil anything. It's really good. I'll broach it after the holidays. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, Sunbeam. Uh, that's your uh, escape option, basically. Yeah, they're like saying, hey, we're going to be here in like three <laughs> days. Uh, if you can hold tight, we'll meet you at this point and we'll pick you up. And you're like, 
Well, that was easy. Yeah. Game one, I'm the best. <laughs> Speed run complete. Sitting on top of a life pod, kicking my flippers, eating some raw yeah. fish. Yeah. Things are good. I don't need to leave the safe shallows. And you actually get, uh, after a few updates... Well, first, the Sunbeam's really dismissive of um, oh, yeah. your situation. He's just like, these freaking Altera like, ships always calling for the stupidest things. And then he, he re- finally realizes that the entire ship is down on this planet and he's like oh oh that's uh that's that's on me we'll, we'll Might be. You up. yeah <laughs> we'll be there in like a few days tops but um he uh you actually get a, a a unique kind of piece of ui that's not like reused anywhere else um your ship tells you when the sunbeam starts to descend and you get like a 30 minute countdown something like that mm-hmm. a real time countdown and you're like, oh, crap, I need to make it to the drop location, which if you hadn't discovered it by this point is the enforcement platform. Yeah. And they actually do give you a waypoint, I believe, saying, hey, be here at this time yeah. Yeah. for a cutscene, but not really. <laughs> it's modern day cutscene where you have free movement. So did you did you, you make it to the platform when? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. As soon as I saw, like I said, um, I'm, if I'm constrained by actual time in game, mm-hmm. I feel that there's actually an obligation to go. So I was like, all right, I'll make sure I have some stuff, I'll have some supplies, whatever, just in case. And I see Glowed Glided. I got over there. <laughs> right, use the sea glide. The sea gloater. <laughs> and I think I was exploring on the beach, killing some head crabs in the time. I was like, all right, it's... All right, it's coming down. We're good. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. then it got blown out of the fucking sky. <laughs> yeah, I my see my reaction was I got there with like ten minutes to spare or something because you know early bird gets the worm. You never yeah. know what's gonna happen. Yeah. And I, I, it has to be designed this way. Props mm-hmm. to all these little design notes because if you come on a direct beeline from your pod to this island. You do not see the enforcement platform on the island until you make the final turn around the island. Yeah, it's obscured by the mountain. And then all of a sudden you see this giant alien construction of a building. Yeah. And, you know, the first thought that goes through my mind is, oh, and then followed by, that can't be good. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jake, you you saw the cutscene as well, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. So, you know, you come around this island, the time ticks down, you start getting rapid radio messages from the captain of the Sunbeam. I think I see you down there. We're coming through the atmosphere now. Yeah. As this this uh, alien structure is roughly skyscraper, skyscraper, skyscraper shaped. Yeah. And it sort of lifts up a little bit and then tilts on an axis to be unmistakably a gun shape or a turret shape. <laughs> well, you get like a Silent Hill siren kind yeah. of blaring out. Not it, like Silent Hill, but... It begins to track through the sky, and you're like, oh no, oh no. And just with a great green flash, I believe, it just blows the sunbeam out of the sky. Yeah. And, you know, so long, rescue. Yep. This is how you know the game's not done. <laughs> yeah. But at that point, you're now incentivized to be like, uh, I gotta explore what the fuck that was. Yeah. And you start to explore this alien-esque base mm-hmm. and the surrounding island. And then... Do not text me. Um, <laughs> I won't. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I explored the initial the gun area first. Because I saw there's like kind of like an underwater passage yeah i went inside and you find like the rumors like hey 
uh, interact with this. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And it's like, stab, you're infected and you're considered hostile on this life form. Yeah. It's worth noting here that they actually have foreshadowed this for quite some time in game. Really? Yeah. Um, if you read the scans and the audio logs or the data logs, which I'm a complete, you know, wimp for, I love Lord like richness. So I'm reading it, and it specifically calls out, they scanned the planet before they touched down or got close to it and found it was high in some sort of bacteria. And when you land, you notice that all the fauna and all the flora is rich with this infection. And it mentions, like, don't hang out in the water too long, and you look around like, are you fucking with me, shit? <laughs> it's also like, don't, don't eat the wildlife or yeah. whatever, and you're like... But food. <laughs> um, I love the one audio log the ship gives you where it's like, you have exceeded your, or you have met your swimming quota for the month yeah. after being on the planet for something like a day. <laughs> um, but it, it hits you all the time. And in fact, it prompts you to use the scanner when you first get it and yeah. you actually show up as clean. Mm -hmm. And then I think it's actually after the Aurora detonates mm -hmm. that you get another thing from the ship saying, scan yourself again and you see you're infected. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. You've, at this point in the game, you don't know the implications of that. So you're yeah. like, maybe it's a stamina or an oxygen debuff, or you think it's a debuff or something, and you don't realize this is implicitly a story thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like you say, you invade the alien stronghold, and a computer stabs you and t tells you you're infected and you can't leave. And you're like, oh, no. Yeah. It, uh, there's actually... Um, so I played around with this because I wanted to see if there was a way to save the sunbeam. Um, and there is, but not the way that I tried. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I know where the enforcement platform is, which is what it's called. We keep calling it that because it shoots things out of the sky. It enforces. <laughs> um, and uh, I was like, oh, I'll just beeline there. There's a, a radius around the enforcement platform where if you breach that radius, the game's just like, hey scan yourself i'm like oh really uh, really though and you're infected i you mean it's clever that. like how many times of playtesting did they have to go through before someone was smart enough to make the beeline and they're like all right here comes the death ring yeah but there actually is a way to save <clears throat> the sunbeam because this is as soon as the, the sunbeam gets shot down and you get stabbed by the machine uh you have the main quest to complete the game that's it you need to find a way to cure yourself so that you can interface with the enforcement platform and it will disable itself and you can leave um, the planet. Hmm. Um, but the way you can do it to save the sunbeam in the most roundabout and unsatisfying way is never respond to the radio when it calls <laughs> in. In which case, it'll never say that it's like it identifies with you, that it's come to come, going to come land. Complete literally the entire game, disable the enforcement platform by being cured, um, then talk to the sunbeam and it'll be like, hey, uh, we called you like seven <laughs> weeks ago. What's up? But there's a voice line for it where it's like, there's too much oh. debris in the atmosphere, so we can't attempt a landing. And so they don't try to come by to, uh, to save you in that case. That, that seems point, like a cop out. It is a cop out, yeah. But at that point, you probably already have the technology to leave on your own, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the, the other half of the, the, the end game is not only do you have to shut off the quarantine platform, you also have to construct yourself a ship to escape the planet. The Neptune 1. Which it's important to note, you must turn off the quarantine platform 
or else the Neptune one won't launch. Yeah. It'll the AI will yell at you and tell you, "Are you stupid?" It's <laughs> just like trying to get shot. <laughs> Uh, and the the resources for that are, um, or the schematics for the Neptune are in the captain's quarters of the Aurora, which um, I think you get by you get the key code for the door by investigating an it, like in game life pod, mm-hmm. um, which is really really cool. It takes a lot of resources to build it, yeah. obviously, yeah. and it is gigantic. In my um, I made a mistake in my most recent playthrough when I was building the launch pad because it's literally just this massive launch oh, pad yeah. that drops in the ocean. I was like, great, first part's done. I just opened it again, and I hit it again. And it just dropped another launch pad, like, on top <laughs> of the previous. But these things are gigantic, and I can't possibly get up to the second launch pad to actually build the rocket up there. <laughs> so I pick up my little mobile vehicle bay, and I, like, swim over here to a, an open space of water, drop it again, third launch pad. <laughs> that was the well, that That's the expression, right? Third launch pad's the charm. <laughs> <laughs> It was everyone knows that not my finest moment um so what did you guys do as far as sustainability i know that we're talking about like uh, murdering fishes because mm-hmm. there's like a fish that you can kill that is essentially water yeah yeah so you can hydrate fish, yourself yeah was it? and then if you like heat knife any fish it's like immediately cooked heat knife was the end badass. game for eating yeah or second to end game yeah. yeah final end game were those trees you were talking about where Bulldoze. you just yeah. raise them in your own little uh yeah food box flower pot <laughs> and just like a little mini farm, eat yeah. the hell out of those trees morning day and night yeah that is your, your end game because you can just they replenish if you have like four three or four of them they replenish faster than your hunger and thirst do and it fills hunger and thirst so yeah you just do cuttings i had that on um all of my end game uh, locations until i finally get the cyclops which is god mode the end game of end gameist yeah the cyclops because i didn't get that far that's mm-hmm. a super submarine is that correct it is gigantic it is uh about the size of a um around the size of a reaper leviathan a little bit smaller but around the size of it that sounds like some Pacific Rim shit right there. Yeah. And it has amazing attributes that I would be reluctant to put into a game unless I wanted to do a bunch of QA. You can build storage on it. You can build planters on it. So you can literally just grow Bulbo on it. Uh, you can technically have power cell chargers on it, but it is powered by, by power six, cells. So power cells in the back. Um. Um, I think the rule, the general rule, was anything that could be constructed in a base that wasn't a room yeah. could be built on there. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing they, I think they eventually disabled, because it, it was enabled in the early versions, but you used to be able to put solar panels on it uh, <laughs> and then just rise it to the surface and recharge. But they were like, no, we want you to go deep. Um, so they took that out. But it basically becomes a mobile base. Once you get that, the first time I played through, I moved all of my resources into the Cyclops, just had lockers lining the walls uh-huh. and the entire length of it. And I was like, I'm home. Um, which is great, because the thing can not not go to toe-to-toe with, but deal with Leviathans. It can get you past aggressive Leviathans. Mm-hmm. Does it have like a stronger hull, or does it have like a weapon system? or It has kind of all of the above. It has a decoy pod where you can put um, one of the decoys like loaded in. Rule Which of cool, cool note here, it actually yeah. is like a torpedo tube, so you go and you load the torpedo into it, yeah. and then when you're in the captain's chair, there's the button you can press to fire oh it. Fire so it, it honestly has the moment. 
Um, it's it, it's uh, Jay can talk about what it can and can't do. Yeah. But I'm gonna talk about how it feels because <laughs> yeah. I think that's it's a. It's a key part yeah. of the whole game is how it feels. So with the Seamoth, which for anyone listening is your next, your intermediate form of transportation. Right after the Sea Faster glide. and yeah. deeper than the Sea Glide, but not up to the standards of having your own submarine. It's like a little capsule corp pod. Yeah, right? yeah. almost mm -hmm. exactly. You're a flying little UFO in the ocean. <laughs> yeah. But the um, the Cyclops, you it has its own UI. Like mm -hmm. you sit in the seat. You can look to the left and right and see through this sort of dome with a HUD projected on it for all the Cyclops' buttons and stats. You can't even run it until you hit the start engine button. Oh, yeah. So, and then there's like a horn and lights and different periscopes you can flip through. Like, it honestly does feel like you're at the helm of this great vessel. And it, it leads to being a very endearing machine. It also happens to have its own voice, like all the other vehicles, and it's like this deep, slightly modulated robotic thing that says, Welcome aboard, Captain. And it's like, you're damn right on the Captain. I I really like the sound of that. I like, because at this point in the game, it's like, you've probably invested a lot of time, so getting that next rank of, like, power-up as your progression sounds pretty hefty. There's a stupid amount of, of work that went into the... I was trying to find a picture of the helm. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. I couldn't. Um, there's one from the outside. But you can see tons of view space. Uh, and there's subsystems on this freaking Cyclops. So if it takes significant amount of damage, there'll be <sighs> breaches on the outside uh, that you have to exit the ship and use your repair gun to repair, to actually repair the hole. Mm -hmm. The Cyclops itself is awesome. I can't say that enough. And it will repair itself from minor damage it sustains but major attacks can cause these breaches mm -hmm. which can cause water to flood in <laughs> uh and you can have fires that break from the out. water <laughs> run literally to the side of the uh, uh, inside the the halls of this cyclops grab a fire extinguisher run back to the engine bay like f like put out all these fires mm -hmm. until you get the fire uh, suppression system which is a mod for it which gives you a button off to the right of your like UI where you can just be like, oh, I'm on fire because I was, I'm being ripped in half by a Leviathan. Uh, let me just leave the helm for a second here. Mash this fire suppression system button. Regain helm. All of the doors close. The lights turn low as it's in fire suppression mode. And the ship takes care of putting out all the fires for you while you manage to get this thing out of the whatever claws you're in. I love it like so much. The, uh, it's also worth noting that damage is not the only way to set the ship on fire. It has three speeds. It has, like, a full ahead slow, mm -hmm. which is just kind of, it's, it's also worth noting, it is the slowest vehicle in the game. Yes. The Seamoth cooks. This thing even, I don't think it has speed upgrades. No. It has it efficiency upgrades, but no speed. Mm -hmm. And it... On its slow, it's probably about as fast as you are swimming normally. Yeah, but of course, you're low. taking your base with you, so benefits. Can't complain too much, yeah. yeah. It has a... And at the, the size of this thing and moving it around, it's like moving an RV through a Walmart parking lot. Like, you're trying to go through crevices, and it's giving you warnings that you're so close to the walls, and you're like, I know! Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah there's proximity alerts for every part of the ship. Yeah, it'll it tell you a... if you're... Like, it'll actually have a little hologram that comes up and says, here's the object you're about to hit. Here's mm -hmm. you. Don't move that way. Um, but there's a, a slow speed, which... And each speed has a different engine efficiency, 
which is the most efficient in terms of using your energy. Mm -hmm. um, it has a higher speed, uh, a full ahead, mm -hmm. that is much more reasonable for open water and will get you from point A to point B. And it also has f what it calls flank speed, which someone could tell me later on what that actually means, <laughs> but it basically means you're cooking it, you're moving. Well, I want to go, I want to get there fast. I'm impatient. I'm a video gamer. I was raised in 2018. <laughs> I'll do what I want. So I throw it on max speed and I start moving and the voice comes on. Your engines are overheating. Hmm. Nonsense. You don't know what you're talking about. Your computer, your engines are overheating. Stop now. No. So I keep going and it's like fire is broken out. I'm like, why would you do this? <laughs> How <laughs> like, could this happen? Exactly. I it's, it's the bike. With the <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of the meme where he shoots the guy. How could you do this? The other thing I, I love about the Cyclops, it's like half of the game. I love the Cyclops so much. Is I'm, when, I'm noticing. <laughs> when you go flank speed, uh, your computer says, warning, vessel captivating. Um, because of the amount of noise it makes. Ooh. So this is a mechanic that's kind of unique to the Cyclops. But basically, you're so big <laughs> that most Leviathans don't care about you as food, depending on, like, how much uh, noise you make. Mm -hmm. So there's a silent running toggle, which just drains your energy like oh, yeah. nothing. But no matter what your speed is, while that silent running is active, it masks your sound. And you can just go past almost all of the Leviathans in the game and they won't aggress you. Because they're just like, huh, that's weird, but it's real quiet. <laughs> and that's how I investigated the opposite side of the Aurora. Is I got in-game alien power sales, cells with tons of charge. Turned on silent running and I'm just like, go. And I just went past all of the Reapers. <laughs> like almost hit one of them. I was just like, huh, we'll just go a little bit to the right. <laughs> I will say one of the drawbacks to this point in the game for me, and I'm not sure if this is just a localized thing for me or if this is sort of a global problem for people, especially in uh, survival crafting games. I get to the point where the equipment I have on me is more valuable than the exploration. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I've now become protective of it. And despite how useful it is, I can't take it out of the protective shallows. So it was like, I built this Cyclops. It took me hours and hours and hours. I can't take this anywhere near Leviathan. And that actually stymied me in the game for a while until mm. Jake eventually just caved. And he's like, I'm not going to spoil anything for you. Don't worry about it. If something attacks, you just turn off your engine. Yeah. I'm like, that's dumb. And then it works because you don't make any noise. The Leviathan hits you like once, maybe twice, and then gives up. It's like, ah, it, this doesn't <laughs> look like chewy. food. It's, Fuck it. <laughs> it's not moving. It can't be food. It's too big. I'm going to leave. One of the scariest moments I had in the game, there's a lot of them. There's a lot. But one of the scariest moments is I was sitting in my Cyclops near the, the steering wheel. I was like looking through my database entries or whatever. I'm just like, huh, you know, seems to be a lot going on. And then I, like, put my data pad down, looked up at the the, the, the window out into the deep ocean, mm -hmm. and there is a uh, ghost leviathan oh. just staring in the window at me. And I'm like, God? <laughs> is that you? Eventually it, like, lost interest and it left. But I was like, every part of me is that this bad. <laughs> <laughs> One story I want to share it's not cyclops related unfortunately um this was of J work justin's yeah story uh so basically um the sea moth 
which is the in-between between the Sea <laughs> Glide and Cyclops, is yeah. a travel vehicle. I think it goes down like 300 depth mm-hmm. before it starts taking like hull damage. You mm-hmm. can mod it, but yeah. Yeah. It's about 300. So Justin's like, well, I need to go down to explore. So he dropped it around like 295. He's like, 300 is obviously going to start taking hull damage. Uh-huh. Not going to risk it. So he's getting out. He's like collecting some resources. Um, I feel like a some type of larger aggressive fish came by and bumps his ship down into the water <laughs> further down and it starts to like compress and then breaks yeah so he then comes back up to his ship like oh i'm gonna stop for oxygen and then drive back home and it wasn't there yeah i used that story as motivation for this last uh gameplay uh, playthrough because i was like wait I remember this, and so I always parked my ship just 10 meters higher than I would have. <laughs> you, you park it where you think buffer. you should park it, and then you go 10 meters up from that. Exactly. You park in the back on Black Friday, is all I'm saying. <laughs> um, Play it safe. This sort of leads into the only glitch I've ever had with the game. Uh, one game-breaking bug, and it kind of bummed me out, but I recovered from it quickly. Mm. Um, I can't remember which, if it was a leviathan or a large creature or what. And it hit my ship while I was in it, and it instantly killed me, which was, you know, dismay, but whatever, I respawn and do what I have to. But my ship was no longer there, and this was a maxed out, modified Seamoth. So, I'm close to it at this point. And after looking around for it, I kind of came to the conclusion, oh, I had, you could, uh, waypoint, waypoint your ships. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I heard on the waypoint, it was in the environment. It was underground. Yeah. So it clipped through. It hit something so hard that it clipped through yeah. and then stayed on the other side. So this was my foray into how to turn on no clip, clip through the wall, grab my ship, fly it out, and then turn off no clip and disable uh, command mode. Yeah. But at the same time, like this is a, an immersion breaking moment. And I was kind of bummed by that. But I think that's the only technical hiccup I've had in the entire game. I feel like I might have had a little bit of the graphical overbanding where, like, a texture might get stretched over something. Right. But it might have been, like, once and for, like, half a second. I didn't really run into any issues throughout the game, I would think. I had, like, a few. I had, so my first playthrough, the iconic one was sometimes when I was in the Cyclops, it would be like, hey, how would you like to be, instead of in the Cyclops, standing on top of the Cyclops? Right, like, like a, a surfboard. <laughs> right? I was like, but I'm underwater. <laughs> and it's like, no, that's fine. Um, and the way the game handles whether you're underwater or not is just like a toggle. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I was on top of the Cyclops, but not underwater, quote unquote. So I could fall off of it, take fall uh... damage on the ground, which uh... is the seabed. Um, and if that didn't kill me... Then, as soon as I made contact, it's like, oh, you touched the bottom of the seabed. Uh, you should be underwater. right? Yeah, you're underwater. Bit flipped, and then I could swim back up to the Cyclops. I didn't die, thankfully, but it was really obnoxious. And then, in my most recent playthrough, the final facility that holds the um, uh, the Empress Leviathan um, has a uh, sea dragon Leviathan, which is just like this kind of derpy, fire-breathing thing outside of it and it clipped into the facility <laughs> i needed to go into so i was sitting here on my like prawn which is basically a mech suit with little punchy arms and um i had to go into the facility and then take cover behind pillars while inside the facility 
Because the sea dragon leviathan would be breathing fire into it, <laughs> clipping through the walls. And I'm like, nope, not having this. Uh, that that sounds like working as intended to me, because that sounds like <laughs> emergent gameplay. <laughs> it, it kept like, it's like tentacles and stuff would keep clipping through the wall. And I'm just like, what is going on? What are you even doing here? So this kind of led me into something I've been meaning to ask you guys. Um, what is both your favorite designed and arguably most terrifying fish in the game? Like, what, what fish do you find most fascinating? And that could be like a leviathan or like even some of the smaller ones. I know exactly what you're thinking for smaller one. I know 100% what I'm <laughs> thinking because if it doesn't get brought up, I'm going to bring it up. Yeah. Then I'll let you go first, because yeah. you have a more recent recollection of the game than I. Yeah, Ian, I'll let you talk about Mesmer. Oh, I wasn't the Mesmer. Well, okay, well, I'll talk about Mesmer. So Mesmer is a small fish that um, uh, has a very unique property, and that as soon as you see it, um, it and you get like within a certain range, uh, your um, codex voice comes on, and it's like, you must sl- swim closer uh, to that beautiful creature, and like the voice stretches and kind of dilates, and you start to lose control of your inputs, and you start moving closer to what is this kind of like small, kind of like a jellyfish-looking creature, um, like a, a flower, really. And if you get close enough, it'll like bite you. Not for a lot of damage, but it'll do a little bite, and then it swims off. Um, but its entire thing is it's trying to pull you in through like telepathic suggestion and yeah. it uses your computer voice to convince you to do it and if you actually scan it and look at the data pad or its uh, entry uh, it starts off really scientific and technical and then towards the end it's just like this is the most beautiful creature like you've ever seen it's like you must swim closer <laughs> and i love it mesmer no the fish i was going to talk about it's not leviathan class but it is a hostile organism mm-hmm. the crab squid which is oh. the unholy fusion of a crab and a squid, believe it or not. <laughs> um, it sort of looks like a big black balloon with eight eyes, because, of course, it can't have enough eyes. <laughs> and these giant crab-like appendages on the bottom of it. And it just flies through the ocean, minding its own business until it sees you. It will let out a scream, which is probably, in my opinion, the most nightmarish out of anything in the game. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to try and make it on camera or on, on microphone. <laughs> That's good. You can accomplish you. neither. <laughs> um, but it has a unique attack. And again, I think this is something in the game that is a rather unique effect. Mm-hmm. Um, it lets out a radial EMP blast. This knocks out vehicles... And tools. So, hey, I'm using my sea glide to get around. I'll escape it on the sea. No, you're not. I'll use my stasis gun. No, you won't. (laughs) It EMPs everything. And for like five seconds, you are just thinking to yourself, this is how I die. In the dark. (laughs) Yeah. And then power starts to come back on. My gripe with this creature is if the EMP effect lasts three seconds, it might fire off an EMP every four seconds. So <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh God, get away, get away, get away in that one second of I have electricity. Yeah. You know what the trick though is, Ian? Those ones are attracted by light. So if you turn off all of your lights, they don't care. <laughs> Two playthroughs and I never noticed. Yeah. Because I avoided them like the plague. I think they're only really in one area of the game too. Although I think that is a choke point. There's the uh, Degasi deep base. Yeah, I think that, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Which I... We didn't even talk about the Degasi event. Ah, it's fine. It's a side plot. 
But again, it's, it's one cool. of those side plot that forces you deeper into the planet, though. It's true. Yeah. That um, was the one that was three hundred down or further. That's three hundred was the first Agassi base you find. Mm-hmm. The second one, I think, is. Because there's one in Jellyfish Fields. Yeah. Yep. Probably the one you found. There's another Yo. one. They went from Jellyfish Fields to the top of Portal Island, Tropical Island. And then from there down to their 350, I think, base, which is yeah. Was really it? a bad spot. Yeah. The base. Yeah. Um, but that's where you can find a cuttlefish. Oh, yeah. The cuttlefish. The rare fish in the game. Mm-hmm. Looks adorable. But I, that... To answer your question, though... Oh, is there a question? No, this is the best fish question. Yeah, yeah. What's, what's the scariest fish you encountered? Uh, the one that is not necessarily a fish, but it is psychic, and it starts speaking through your headset and then teleports you places. Oh. oh, the warper. Yeah, and I didn't know what was going on, but I knew I wanted none of that. Yeah. And you don't really get a good view of it, at least I didn't initially. It kind of reminds me of Spectre from Dota 2. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like... Very got, dark and it's got like scythes. Yeah, praying mantisy. Yeah, and very shadowy and in nature. It can fire what like psionic blasts at you too. It yeah. has a ranged attack, which is obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Most commonly, it'll teleport you first or close yeah. on you and do an attack. The uh, I mean, I've, it's again. I have to. Who developed this game? I can't remember. Um, you usually, write it down. Somebody deep. Great, great, <laughs> great. Yeah, great deep. <laughs> while I while I look this up, my favorite thing about the warper scary abilities it can teleport you out of your seamoth yeah or I cyclops think, <laughs> i think i actually did encounter that once with the the seamoth now that i remember yeah it's like you know what you're safe inside of a, a vehicle that you can breathe in not anymore you're 10 feet away yeah also a little more lore on those guys um oh unknown worlds is the developer of okay. uh, subnautica but um they're also artificially created they're created as the guards of the planet, basically, to help eradicate uh, Kara-infected life, which is, much like Undertale, always a bad thing. Kara is the um, the infection, the virus here. It's worth noting, Jake, you were actually the one that told me this uh, little nifty factoid. You don't really run into the dev- uh, devourer, not devourer, warpers. I know I don't. <laughs> you don't run into the warpers very early into the game. You can kind of come across them by accident, but mm-hmm. it's much there's the way the game's laid out and how it's breadcrumbing you around you're not going to cross their path if you do go out of your way knowing where to go or you stumble upon them before you're infected they don't care they're completely non-aggressive to you yep interesting only once you get the notice that you're infected do they like you know turn on protocol fuck shit up mode (laughs) and hunt you down yeah no it's and leave you threatening voicemails on your radio that's true. That's actually, that was one of the things I wish they would have followed up with a little bit more. Because you get one radio message where mm-hmm. it's like uh, nine targets identified. It's just like five, four eliminated or something like that. Like searching for the rest, beginning like hunter, killer, protocol, whatever. Something like that. But it's oh, it's damn, literally from that. the warper. Um, and it doesn't make any sense, actually. <laughs> yeah, the warper, from what I understand, because they're, they're partially machine. Mm-hmm. That you find in one of the, I can't remember if it has a name for the previous alien race, mm-hmm. but you do find them and you see an assembly line where they're building them. It's some sort of bio cyborg where they're using bits and pieces of living material, grafting cybernotic, cybernotic, 
cybernetic yeah. enhancements onto it to create these Cyberpunk. hunter killers. Yeah, it's it's a really cool end game facility. That's after the wall though, which is the big. This is the thing that I think Dave got stuck on. Yeah, and the, I might need to continue my playthrough and actually check out more of this. Yeah, this is so the point most people stop playing is where they stop giving you life pods and you know you need to explore somewhere you haven't been but you don't know exactly what and there's a couple hints one of them is in the enforcement platform it says hey there's a deep sea research facility southeast of this or uh, yeah southeast of this position but you're like okay great um and, but basically your goal is to get to the lost river and as soon as you get there just exploring that out location which is below everything else will take you through the rest of the game um, and there's like three entrances but like two of them have leviathans right outside and one of them well around right outside and one of them is past all of those crab squids actually so <laughs> so <laughs> no good entrances yeah and the game doesn't give you any more buried commas past that part it's just like figure out a way to go deeper and it wasn't until my most recent game that I actually got a, a voice message from my computer saying like, hey, um, uh, skeletal remains detected like 200 meters below you or something like that while I was uh, in one area. And I was like, oh, that's a hint that would have been useful <laughs> when I first played through. But that's, I, I actually chalk that up to a downside to the game. We've been like circle jerking about like how great everything is. As soon as the bread comes, stop. It, can, it becomes really easy to waste a lot of time not accomplishing anything as far as exploration is concerned. Yeah, because it's still like a... While it is like a limited map size, it is still fairly large. And if you don't know where to go, you kind of keep doing circular loops around the places you've been, maybe a little bit deeper. But it becomes very tedious. Yeah. But that's really my only gripe with the game so far because it was very immersive shut up Ian uh, <laughs> like it looks gorgeous as far as the graphic it's not nothing like over the top it's just enough to make me feel to make it feel believable yeah um and then I'm underwater and then they have like really chill background music except when shit gets real and, and then, then it's horrifying <laughs> horrifying music um but all in all, the whole thing for what I play, I still sunk about thirty to forty hours into it. Every yeah. time I hear and, uh, one of these words, <laughs> every <laughs> time, <laughs> and no regrets. Honestly, it was solid. Yeah. Um, I think Jake and I had one big gripe because we agreed once we beat the game and could talk about it freely, spoiler free with each other. Yeah. We agreed we both did the same thing. Yeah. Um, you know, this is the soapstone, so as usual, spoilers are out the yeah. window. Yeah, we put that into the description for this one. So, but we did that for every game, that's on people. <laughs> Um, towards the end of the game, you get sent on your fetch quest or victory lap, whatever you want to call it, oh, where it's yeah, like, exactly. you need to go get one of each sample of different plants in each biome. Yeah. After spending 40 hours on this game, I said, no, uh, used the control panel or the, uh, well, I can't remember what the proper term is for a devil dev console gave myself those items, and turned it in at that very moment. Yeah. Because I couldn't be asked to walk around the world collecting these again. And it kind of harkens back to Legend of Zelda Wind Waker, if you ever played it, where it's like, hey, go on the Triforce hunt. No. No. What is it about water games making me go all over the world getting these things that we don't want to get? No. So, I mean, and after I said, I admitted to Jake that, yeah, I, I, I logged in and just gave myself the items. He's like, oh, I did too. Yeah. 
I looked it all up on the wiki. I found it. I don't think I. I don't think I used console commands. Oh, never mind. I did look up all of the locations and just grabbed it. Because the games, once you get to the home run phase, don't transition out of the home run phase. No. Like everyone knows, they get that home run feeling where it's like we are accelerating to credits, and I just want to sit back and feel good about my accomplishments. And it's like gather an item from each location around every biome. And you're like, no though. Counter argument. What if I didn't? <laughs> um, so yeah, that was that's kind of unfortunate they put that at the end, but otherwise, it's a very very solid uh, underwater sandbox. Um, Have you guys checked out the expansion, or do you plan to at some point? Um, I specifically have been keeping myself in the dark spoiler-wise about it. I'm a big spoilers type of guy. Similar. So this is kind of me mentally reserving space in my brain, saying that while I don't have a definite decision to pick it up... You have an interest. I have an interest, and I'm avoiding any information about it so that, you know, maybe if it hits a release state... Yeah. Or um, if I lack anything else to play, yeah. I will pick it up and give it a shot. Also... Regarding the uh, the one to come out, it's called Below Zero, and that's a huge shame because it was right there, right there in the name. Could have just been Subnautica, Sub Zero, would have been easy as pie. But I guess who was who was Mortal Kombat? Damn you, Cap- Never Realms! Like Capcom? I don't know if it's Never Realms. <laughs> it's definitely not Capcom. Who owns uh, Mortal Kombat? Is it not Capcom? It's not Capcom. Really? Capcom has Street Fighter. Oh, okay, that's what I was thinking of. Uh, whoever owns them, they'll get I think sued. it's Nether Realms. That's a joke. Is it Nether? Nether it might be. I they thought... might have like named their own company because of the the lore of the in-game universe. Don't they make Tony Hawk? No. Hmm. Although now I'm thinking of this really good crossover, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, as always, uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, thank you, Ian, for stopping by just to record this episode and for yeah, nothing else. Appreciate it, man. And totally not for you. dinner. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hopefully we can do more things like this in the future. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see yeah. how uh, Dave feels about it once uh, <laughs> once he stops recording. If he beats me, that's how I know it's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> but as always, you can f- send in your feedback uh, to soapstonepodcast at gmail.com or join the discussion on Facebook at facebook.com slash soapstonepodcast um, where hopefully... Uh, we we get some good Subnautica discussion going on because it's a great game and it's a contender for my game of the year this year. But you'll have to listen to future episodes to find out if that uh, holds true. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> huh. I don't have much to add, so thank you everybody for listening and have a good night. Ian, any closing thoughts? None whatsoever. All right, all right, guys. Here's camps. Bye. See you. We'll see you in the next one.